The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Gemara, Moed Katan, Dav, Ted Zayin. Today's Dav is being studied, Le'ilu Nishmat Avraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanichenu Began Eden. Amen. We begin today's Dav on Ted Zayin Amud Rishon, and we are. Four lines from the top. Amar Rava. Rava said, Minalan de Meshadrinan Shediha de Bedina, Umizamininan le Ledina. So the first question of today's Gemara, the Gemara is going to discuss the process of putting somebody in Nidui. So what the Gemara's question over here is at first, is how do we know we can send a shaliyah, a messenger of the Beddin, to invite the litigant to come to Beddin? She says, how do you know? You, 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 maybe the, the, the Dayan has to go himself and invite the litigant to Beddin. How do you know you can get away with sending a shaliyah? So the Gemara says, Dikhtiv, Vayishlach Moshe, Lekra Lidatan Vilaviram, Bene Eliav. So it says, Vayishlach Moshe, Moshe sent, when he was had that uh, case with Korah, so we have to invite the litigants to come to the Beddin, Korah and his cohorts against the Haron. So Vayishlach Moshe is mashma, that Moshe Rabbeinu himself sent somebody, he didn't uh, go himself. And then you see that you can send a Shaliyah to go invite the people to the Beddin. He didn't go himself. How do you know at all that you have to invite uh, the litigants to the Beddin? You and all your cohorts, all your um, people. So you see that he was invited to the Beddin. Moshe Rabbeinu was telling him that you have complaints, so you have to come now and uh, settle your complaints. You have to come in front of the uh, Betin. Okay? Now, the Betin over here actually was uh, Moshe and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? It was God that also judged, obviously, the case of uh, Moshe, uh, Korah. And the litigants were Korah against Aharon HaKohen, because Korah was going after Aharon's uh, position. Mm-hmm. Okay? So now we learned over here that Moshe Rabbeinu invited them to the court. So the Gemara says, Lekame Gabra Rabba. How do you know that when the invitation to the Beddin, or called the summons, we'll say, to the Beddin, how do you know that you have to say the greatest judge? Because you're being invited or summoned to come to the Beddin to, to, to stand in front of Gabra Rabba, a great, the great one. So it says, Dikhtiv lifne Hashem. Because it says in the Pasuk that you're going to go stand in front of God. So Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't only tell them that there's going to be a court case. He tells them who they're going to stand in front of. So yeah, when you announce the court case, you have to say, Lifne in front of the uh, greatest one of the court. At Uplanya. How do you know that you have to tell the person when you're summoning him who's going to be in the court? Who's the uh, sides? Dikhtiv atavim ve'aron, right? You and them, you and them, which means the tavaviram Quran is people against Aharon. The kavinan zimna. How do you know that you have to set a time and you have to tell them when to when to uh, appear to the beddin? So the Gemara says, how do we know that? Because he tells them mahar. He tells Korah tomorrow. Is going to be the judgment. That's the Pasukh Bachar. Zimna Batar Zimna. How do you know you give them two invitations, two summons? Which if they don't listen to the first one, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're Anus, maybe they couldn't come for some reason. And therefore you invite them, you summon them again. Dikhtiv, because we have a Pasuk. Pasuk says, Karu Sham. Paro Melech Misraim Sha'on He'evid Hamu'id. So the simple interpretation, the way we're going to get our proof is, Kar'u Sham. Sham is a Shamata. 
Meaning they put a nidui, like a harem, on who? To paraon melech mesnayim. Why? Sha'on, that was, let's say, fighting. He'evira mu'ed, because he missed the time. So that she's, what do you mean he missed the time? The prophet prophesied that there was going to be a war between Nebuchadnezzar and Paro Melech Mitzrayim. And he set the time where the war is going to be. And Paro and his army did not show up. So the she's learning the Pasuk over here, they gave him a second chance, and he still did not show up. And then the Pasuk says, Karusham. Then as if to say, the prophet put Paro Melech Mitzrayim in, 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 not the prophet, but the people. The people were upset with Paro. Karusham, because Paro was supposed to be at the at the war, and he wasn't. So that she's learning when it says Heivira Moed, that was the second time. He missed the first uh, uh, appointment, so to speak, and he didn't come till the second time. Look at that she, that she says Karusham Shemata, Kilomar Shemata Paro. Okay, Herem to Paro, Sheivira Moed Kilomar, Sheivir Oto Moed, Shesamu Har Moed Rishon. Now he missed the uh, first uh, appointment, whatever, and he did not show up the second time as well. And the Shonim said this is a little dohak in the basukas. I didn't you know it was uh, explained like that. So I see other interpretations. I say like this. Yirmiyah prophesied that the Bukhadnesar is going to come and fight with Mislaim and war at a certain time. When the time passed, he says Nebuchadnezzar didn't show up. So Paro Melech Mislayim, they blew the Shofarot in Simhad, it's not going to be a war, because there was a promise they're going to lose the war. So Paro was thrilled. The Nebuchadnezzar didn't show up, so that's the Siman that nothing's going to happen. However, when we see the Pesukim, God set a new date for the Nebuchadnezzar to go fight Mislayim. So for the fact that you see that Borei Olam gave the Nebuchadnezzar a second chance to go fight, so if God gives two chances, so we could also attest to a Goy, so we can assume we're going to give two chances to a litigant that is summoned to Bedin that doesn't come the first time, so we give him a second chance in order to show up. So that's the proof. That's the Rashi, the Ketav Yad, the way he understands it. The Barak continues. Umin Alan. How do you know? The imit pakar b'shlihad Bedina. If, let's say, with a litigant, when he's summoned to Bedin, if he's um, curses or he's chutzpah, he's brazen to the shaliyah, uh, to the messenger. amar, and now the messenger comes back and tells the bet din what the guy said. Lo mitchazek bisha. How that's like a tefillah shonara. She's normally not allowed to speak about somebody else what they did, especially if it's derogatory, even though it's true. So this might be Lashonara. Because the Shaliyah Bedin is coming back to the Bedin. And he tells the uh, Bedin, you know, when I invited him to come to the court, he cursed me out, he told me this and that. How do you know that he could do that? Some interpret it that not only is he cursing out the Shaliyah Bedin, but he's cursing out the Bedin. So how do you know that the Shaliyah can come back and say, do you know what he said about you? Then when I summoned him to the Bedin, and how do we know it's not Lashonara? Tekhtiv, ha'eneha anashimahem tenakir. When Moshe sent the Shaliyah to go invite Datan Vaviram to come to the court, so what did they say? We're not coming. Even if you'd gouge our eyes out, we're not coming. Which is a zilzul in the Beddin of Moshe Rabbeinu. They said, Anashimahim, because they were talking about themselves. They don't want to talk you know, by themselves, they're talking about they're gouging their own eyes out. So they said, Even if you gouge those people's eyes out, which meant themselves, we're not coming to the Beddin. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote that in the Torah. How did Moshe Rabbeinu know that? He wasn't there. Must be the Shariah told him that that's what they said. So you see why it's not considered Lashon Allah. And some say that they were actually talking about Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Which means we'll gouge their eyes out before we come to the Beddin. So the Shariah told them. But what do you see, Moshe? Why, why are you allowed to say? You have to say explanations like this. Because obviously now the Beddin has to react to such chutzpah to the Beddin, where you have disrespect to the Beddin. So if the Beddin doesn't know about this person's uh, behavior, he's not going to be able to punish him. So therefore you're allowed to say the toilet in order that they can get punished for uh, belittling the institution of Beddin. Umin alan, 
How do you know if somebody does not listen to a summons of betin, that the betin can put him into a nidui, an excommunication, a shemata, which is actually a form of curse, diktiv ornu meroz. When Barak ben Abinoam went out to war against Sisera, so there was an important person called uh, Meroz. He asked Meroz to please come and help the battle. Miroz did not show up to help the Jewish people fight the armies of Sisera. After the war was over, Barak went to Miroz and said, Oru Miroz, which means Miroz is cursed. Which means that's a form of putting him in. Didui. So you see, when somebody did not listen to the Bedin, so they get, uh, can get cursed. De'achi savra de gabra rabba. And when you're putting him in Hiram or Nidui, you have to say, and this is the opinion of Gabra Rabba, of a great person, meaning it's not my opinion that we're putting in Hiram alone. This is already the opinion of the of the great of the great ones that want you in Hiram. Dikhtiv Amar Malachashim. When Barak put uh, Miroz in Hiram, he said, This is coming from the messenger of God, which means I am the messenger of God, Barak said. So therefore he represented Gabrar Abbas, so to speak. So therefore he mentioned where the uh, source of his Hiram is coming from. Uminalan de Mahriminan. Okay, next question. How do you know that you can curse the person? Which means when you're putting the person in the Hiram, it's actually a it's a curse. How do you know that you can actually uh, curse? Which incidentally is a higher degree of Nidui. Which means if the person is in Nidui for a certain stage, going on yesterday, 30 days, then another 30 days, then already he can be placed in a higher degree called a Hiram. So how do you know? And that Hiram is like a curse. Dikhtiv Oru Aror. This is talking about Barak when he told uh, Miroz. Oru Aror. He cursed him. Just him twice, oru aror. So you see that that is uh, permissible. Now even a regular nidui is a form of curse, because it says oru meros. That's when he put him in nidui the first time. But it seems over here that this is a higher level. That's why it says double, right? Oru aru arur. Okay. Well, one of the manifestations of a harem is. Uh, besides the fact that nobody can walk within four amot of him, but that's a law of Nidui as well, um, the muhram is asur bechol hanaab ibn Adam. He's not of any benefit or pleasure from any person, except the minimum amount to exist, they could live, and it's forbidden to learn with him, like we learned uh, yesterday's daf. He can only learn with himself, because he has to study Torah, so it's again a higher level of, uh, of degree. So Kavz Gemaran says, De'achil v'shateh ba'adeh, v'ka'eh ba'arba'amot dideh. How do we know that anybody that eats or drinks with somebody that's in Hiram, or walks within or sits within four amot of him on either side, how do you know that that person is cursed as well? V'khtiv yosheveha. Because when Barak cursed Meroz, he told them, Yoshevea, not only you, but those that sit around you. And therefore you see anybody that uh, transacts or goes close to a muhram is also considered muhram himself. How do you know you're allowed to publicize the sin of that person, who let's say didn't uh, uh, listen to Beddin, how do you can publicize your sin in public? When Barak cursed Miroz, he publicized and said, you know why we're cursing him? Because he did not come to the aid of Hashem. Really the aid of Israel, which is the aid of Hashem. Anybody that helps Israel is considered helping Hashem. And therefore he publicized it. But the reason why we're putting this person in Aiden Meroz, because he did not come to the aid of the Jewish armies against Sisera. So they publicized the sin. In order to embarrass him. Even though normally you're not allowed to embarrass. But in this case over here, uh, the deen is that you actually, you actually can. And what did he do? Amar Ula. That he excommunicated Meroz, not in a private way, blowing 400 shofarot 
That was the way they used to put some in head, used to blow the shofar. So it was a public, a public manner. Ika de Amri Gabrarabada. Some say that Miroz was a, an important man. That makes sense according to the Gibbara that we're saying, that uh, he was important, therefore they want him to come help fight the Jewish people, you know, with the Jewish people. And he didn't show up, so Barak uh, punished him. The Ika de Amri Kuchba Hava. Some say that Meroz is the name of a star. That was actually the mazal of Sisera. His mazal in the stars and the galaxies was called Meroz. Which means when the Jewish people went against Sisera, all the mazal of all the other stars helped us. The only star that did not help us was Meroz, because that's his mazal. And therefore after the war, it got cursed. Oru Meroz. So the Barak cursed the star, not a human being. So obviously according to that interpretation, there was no harem. You don't put a harem on a mazal. Only according to the interpretation, that says he was actually a human being. And how do you know that if a person does not listen to the, uh, to the hakamim, to the ruling of a beddin, so you can uh, forfeit will make his property ownerless. You can uh, forfeit his property. How do you know you can do that? This is when Azna Sofer came back uh, to rebuild the second Beit HaMikdash. But first, there was much intermarriage in Klai Yisrael. So he needed to make sure that all the Jewish men divorce their uh, non-Jewish wives. So he said that there's going to be a meeting in three days. And anybody that doesn't show up to that meeting in three days, was going to be a speech that he was going to give them to tell them that they have to you know, divorce their wives. So if anybody doesn't come to this meeting, all his property is going to be confiscated. So what do you see over here? That the Beit Din has the ability to confiscate property of somebody that does not listen to their uh, summons or to their rulings. <clears throat> How do you know you can fight? Which means physically you're allowed to fight with those that do not come to the Beit Din. You could curse them. That means you uh, curse them and beat them. You could pull their hair out. And you force them to swear that they're not going to do it again. Dikhtiv, as the Pasuk says, this is again by Nehemiah, to those people that uh, married the non-Jewish woman, and those that people that were, uh, you know, uh, not listening. Va'arif imam, he says, I fought with them. Va'akalilim, I cursed them. Va'akeh, I beat them, mehem anashin, va'imretim, I pulled their hair out, vashbi'im, I made them swear. So you see, all these things are permissible for someone who does not listen to the beddin. Uminadan, dechaftinan, how do you know you're able to tie the person's hands and legs? Ve'asrinan, you're able to tie him to a pole, to lash him. Ve'avdinan, hardafa, and you can do Hardafa. We'll see what Hardafa is. Dikhtiv, the Pasuk says, Hen lemot, hen l'shroshi, hen l'anash nikhsin, v'l'isurin. This is over here, that when Dariyavish told Azaz Sofer he can go back to Eris Israel, so he gave him powers. He said, anybody that does not listen to you, we're giving you the powers now, hen lamut, which means if you want to kill them, hen l'shroshi, hen la'anash nikhsin, to take their property, v'l'isurin, and to give them yisurin, to give them affliction. So the Gabbara says, my l'shroshi, l'shroshi really means to uproot his, to uproot his source. So what does that mean, to uproot his source? Amar ada muri, amar nehamiyah bar baruch, amar bihiyah bar abin, amar yuda, hardafa, which means, hardafa means you chase him. You're able to chase him until you catch him, you know, uh, to, to uproot him. So the Gabbara says, what do you mean? My hardafa, what does hardafa mean? How do you chase a person? Amar of Yehuda, bered of Shemuel, bered of Shilat, meshemed derav, minadin le'altar. Here's the process of nidui. Person doesn't listen, 
right away you put the person in Lidui. There's no, there's no waiting period. There's no warning period according to this opinion. Right away, Minadin the Altar. Vishonim. The Harshiloshim. You give him 30 days. 30 days doesn't repent. You give him a, a, a renewal. You put another Lidui on him. Umaharimim la Harshishim. And then after 60 days, you hire the degree, and that becomes now a. Uh, and that's what it means, which means you pursue them. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. Keep on going. You don't want to repent? Another thing to do. You still don't want to repent? We pursue the guy. That's the shlushet. To uproot him. How do you uproot him? You keep on adding more. And the duim and so the Fahdah is a different opinion over here. You don't put a person in the duim right away. You've got to give the guy a warning. Betin warns him on the first Monday that they're going to put him in the duim. He doesn't accept the warning, he doesn't make the shuvah, they warn him again on Thursday. Listen, you don't make the shuvah, we're going to put you in the duim. He doesn't accept, they give a third warning. Once they warn him three times, and he still did not make the shuvah, so then already, then the process continues. Then it's 30 days, then another 30 days, then a harem. So the only difference between the first opinion of Rav Yudah B'red Rav Shemuel and Rav Unab is do you get the three days of warning before the uh, initial Nidui. Okay? That's the way the majority of the Rishonim uh, explained this. There is Rashid Iktaviyad, which is worthy to know his opinion of the Mahlukan over here. And he says like this, according to Rav Chazda, which is the second opinion over here, you don't wait 30 days between each Nidui. The first Nidui, you put him into it. Right? Somebody doesn't listen to Betin, it's permissible to just make a difference between Monday, Thursday, and Monday, and therefore put him into a, another harem. Which means you don't have to wait 30 days. So he's being more mahmir. He's coming along and saying, I don't agree with you that says you have to have 30 days in between the first until the second Nidui. After they put him in the second, the first Nidui, you wait on Monday, Thursday, Monday, if Betty wants to put him now in a second Nidui, they have the ability. And they can put him in harem immediately. So according to the first you have to wait thirty days. And between the second Nidui and the Hairim has to be thirty days. You just have to wait between a couple of days between the Nidui to the Nidui to the Hairim and then already you expedite the process. Comes the Gabbara and says <coughs> This process that we said you do a nidui and then you do a harem, that's only when a person is not listening to the beti when it comes to a monetary case. Beti says you have to pay this guy money. He doesn't listen. So then you follow the process we just said. Which means if a person is chutzpah to a tamir hakam, we disrespect the tamir hakam, then already there's no warnings, there's no anything. Immediately we put the person in a harem. Which means we put him in harem. We don't put nidui and then nidui and then. Right away we put him on the highest degree because uh, he's mizalzel betalmideh hakamim. Comes the Gabbana and says a story. There was a butcher. He was chutzpah. To the rabbi, to the Tubi Bar Matna. Imnu Ale Abayevirava. So Abayevirava, they formed a okay, Beddin. They analyzed the case. Visham Tuhu. And they put the butcher in excommunication. Lesov Azal Paise Le Baaldine. The butcher went and he appeased the rabbi. Amar Abaye Echid Abid. So Abaye now said, What do we do with this guy? Lishrile to. Take off the, to release him from the harem. He didn't get the minimum 30 days. And the, the assumption over here is that a minimum harem is, in order to take its effect, it's got to be 30 days. So we can't release him. If we don't release him, the rabbis need meat from the butcher. So we're causing tsar and they can't go buy meat uh, in the store. Because the harem, you can't go uh, transact with the guy. So what did he do? Amar le. So Abayir tells 
the rabbi, the rabbi Idi Baravin. Midi Shamiyalach Beha. Did you hear anything on this law of it? You know an angle that we can do over here with this guy? Amar le, so Rav Idi says, Hachi Amar of Tahlifa bar Avimi, Amar Shmuel, Tut Asar v'tut Shareh. Tut is the shofar. The tut. Just like we put him in Hairim. How do we put him in Hairim? We took the shofar out. Tut Asar. Just like the same shofar is able to osir him, so the same shofar is able to be matirim. Which means, he don't have to... Uh, Wait the 30 days. Once already he made Teshuvah, already he appeased the rabbi, already it's, uh, it's permissible. Which means uh, the same shofar that put him in could take him out. That's what he was telling him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar So Abayi didn't accept this answer. He says, no, you're wrong. Hanimili limamona. That it um, is for money. If the guy didn't listen to the betting for a monetary case, as you can say, yeah, the shofar put him in uh, with the intent that if he's going to pay it, they'll take him out. However, but if the guy was chutzpah to a rabbi, then you got to go with the 30 days. It's not a uh, question. Which means, this is what Abaye held himself. Because he said, what do you ask the question for if he knew this already? So I have to say, you know, Abaye held this on his own. He never heard this from his rabbis. So he wanted to ask Navidi, did you hear from your rabbis, you know, a clear direction what you do in this case? So Navidi also gave his own opinion. He said, no, I think, that's your own opinion? He said, no, no, no I, I think otherwise. And if you don't hear anything from your rabbis, then I would say that it should be asur, because bottom line, this is chutzpah, uh, you got to go to 30-day rule. But what do you see from over here also? Alma kasabar abaye hani bet lata de shamitu lo atut lata aharini vesharude. You see another thing besides the thirty-day rule by the chutzpah, the immediate hiding. You see that the same judges that put a person in the hiding are the same judges that take him out, because in the story abaye put this butcher in hiding, and then abaye now was analyzing if they could release him or not. What does Abayah have to analyze? Well, let, let another rabbi do it. Like, you see what? The same rabbis that put him in, those are the same rabbis that have to be involved in releasing him. The because this was actually a question in the Beit Midrash. Hani bet Let's say three rabbis put somebody in Hayrim. Can you bring three other rabbis in order to release the person from his nidui? Tashema. So the Gibra comes and brings a proof. Let's say the rabbi put a student in Nidui. It was chutzpah, whatever it was. So it's called Minudel Lerav. So all the Talmidim also have to keep that Nidui. They're not allowed to go next to that student. Because out of Kavod to the Rav. However, Minudel Talmid Enu Minudel Lerav. Let's say one of the Talmidim, who's a Talmid Hakan, let's say, and his colleague is a little fresh with him. So the Talmid puts another Talmid in Nidui. So now all the Talmidim have to respect the Nidui, but not the Rabbi. So Minudeh Talmid is not Minudeh Lerav. Minudeh Le'iro. Let's say the people in the city. Put one of the people of the city in Nidui. Minudeh Le'ira Hayret. So that Nidui applies not only to the people of the city, but they have the ability to make him Minudeh to even a, another city. However, Minudeh Le'ira Hayret. But if another city puts one of... The, uh, another city's people in Nidui, they cannot make a Nidui for the people of that city. So the other city could put the guy in Nidui for them, but they cannot osir him on the people where he lives. That's like the Abedin. If the Abedin puts somebody in Nidui, finished. And all Israel are bound by the Nidui. But let's say, all you say, put somebody in Nidui, that doesn't bound, bind the Nasi to abide by the Nidui. The bunch of Um Gabriel Omer, Echad mena talmidim shenida. Let's say, one of the uh, students was, uh, put somebody in uh, Nidui, Umet, and now, the student who put the other guy in Nidui, died. So that guy's stuck now. Because his chayle cannot be released. So it sounds like what? You need the original people around who put the person in the doi to release. And that's what 
So it sounds like now the guy that's in the doing is stuck. Which, well, I would say bring somebody else now and to fill in some place and just to release him. So from the fact that a bunch of women the ill says that, so we, we haven't answered that question. So the Gemara really says from this Braita we learn three halachot. Shema mina tlat. What are the three halachot we learn? Number one. First you said a Talmud could put somebody in Nidui. But if he was Minadelich Bodo, let's say you know, somebody disrespected one of the Talmud, you're talking about a Talmud, who's a He feels he was disrespected by one of the uh, other Talmudim. His Nidui is a Nidui. Okay? It, 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 it works. Right? Like we said, Minudele Talmud, Enu Minudele Rav. But it's Minudele Talmud. And then the Talmudim themselves have to deal with this, uh, this Nidui over here. Okay, now obviously this is an issue of Kavot, because it was an issue of Avera, where the guy did a community of sin, and that's what they put him in Nidui, then it would be for everybody. Even the rabbi would not be allowed to, uh, to, to deal with him. And they have to say that he disrespected one of the Talmudim, so that Talmud put him in Nidui, so it's personal. So therefore, huh? Himself. Then one guy could do it. Put him in, put him in Nidui. You see from the end of Rabban Gamliel's statement, Rabban Shor Gamliel's statement, that everybody has to be releasing his chilek. So whoever was involved in putting the nidui on, like we said, if, if a couple of rabbis put somebody in the nidui, one of them died. So he said, that's it, that, that uh, the guy stuck, because he cannot revoke his, uh, his chilek anymore. And you learn also over here that the three rabbis that put somebody in Nidu, you can take another three rabbis. You have to have the original three. Okay? What's the difference between that and the previous? Yeah. What's that and the previous? I'll tell you the difference. That you see that every single person has to be mefir chilko, meaning you might say just let the two guys do it, the remaining two rabbis. Don't get a new guy. Just let the two guys do it, and this guy's chilek is, uh, is gone. No. You need the two guys, and since this third guy died, cannot uh, release him. The third halakha is when all the, you need all the same three people to go and, uh, I mean, if they're all alive, of course, you need all the three people to go and do it. So whenever they're going to release him. Whenever, whenever they're going to release him. Whatever, whatever the, if it's a chilek, if it's a nidui, if it's a mamon. Amar Amemor, Amemor argues on this. He says, Hilcheta, Hani bet latad shamitu, Atu bet latad harini vesharule. Amemor says, No. You have three rabbis, put somebody in Nidui, you can take three others and release him. That three rabbis put somebody in Nidui, and one of them died, his chilek is not, not Mufar, which is not Mufar forever, yeah. and therefore that shows you what, you need the three people that did it. Said, no, no. It's not Mufar until you get three other judges to matir him. You don't think you can just rely on the two. You got to get uh, three. How are you going to get three? I mean, you can take somebody else. Uh, so once you see you can take somebody else, I mean, what is correct? You don't need the original three. Three. Let's stand the proof. The Rabbi Shalom made a statement. He said, if there's if there's three rabbis put somebody in the do, and one of them died, helko inu mufar. So we understood helko inu mufar le'olam, because you're never going to be able to get the original three. Comes Amemor and says, no, helko inu mufar until you get three judges. But doesn't have to be the original judges. And therefore you see, you don't need the three original judges. Terubanan, in nidui pachot mishloshim yom. Okay, in nidui, minimum uh, is 30 days. So stam nidui. That, that's what it means, okay. Which means, we learned that you can release him before the 30 days. In the case, let's say, he was mamon. So we said, tut asar, tut shareh. But Stam, how long is the minimum amount of any doi without releasing him? Stam doi is 30 days. The end is zifa pachot yamim. What is the zifa? That is, let's say the rabbi is makpeed on his kavod. The student wasn't, let's say, so fresh, but they would say when the student, the rabbi feels a little slighted from the talmid. So therefore, that's called the zifa, where he scolds the student. So the student has to keep away from the rabbi for seven days. That's already a nizifah, you're out for seven days. But in nizifah, you're out for seven days. 
the davar. Even there's no proof that nizifa is seven days. Zechir the davar. This is zechir. Shne emar ve'avia yarok yarak b'faneha halot kadem shivat shamim. When Miriam spoke the shorah against Moshe, so how long did she have to keep out of the machaneh? Seven days. So how do uh, they come to that calculation? So the Torah says, listen, if her father would have spat in her face, which is a sign of the father telling the daughter, get away from me, how long would she be removed from her father? At least seven days. So they've also here, this is disrespect to Moshe Rabbeinu, so therefore, well, at least you have to keep away for seven days. So you see what? A nizifa. A nizifa is a seven day minimum process. Now why is that a good proof? This, why is this what it is? The Chavrez is a very good proof. Explanation is because really the seven days of Miriam was because of Tum'ah. It was because of Sarab. It wasn't because of Nizifa. So, but we have a remiss. Because since in the, in, in, in the Perashah, it does say that to Pasuk. It does say, well, if our father would spit in our face to show that it, get away from me, wouldn't it be seven days? So therefore, this is also seven days. So you see, Nizifa is seven days. Amar of Hazda. Nidui shelanu, the nidui of Bavel, kinzifa shelahim. Meaning the nidui in Bavel is seven days. Like the nizifa of Eretz Israel. They had a different, uh, you know, different level. Okay? So they can ask a question. If you're going to tell me that the nidui of Bavel is seven days, so go back to the story with the butcher. What was Abayah's problem with the butcher? They put the butcher in Nidui. And then he went and was Mephayis. Right? It was Mephayis. So now Abayah said, what are we going to do? He didn't, do the, he didn't wait the 30 day uh, process yet. What do you mean? I told you don't have to wait 30 days. What you got to do is wait 7 days in Bavin. So the Rishonim asked this question. So he says that this was a Hirim. It wasn't in Nidui. Because he was Mizazib Tabin Hakam. The tabah was mizazib betamin hakam. That's a hidden. The hidden is automatic. Thirty. Now, unzivat un. So the Gemara says, "Amar v'chazan didui shiranu kezivat shiran unzivat didui shiva betula." Are you telling me that when a rabbi in Eretz uh, Israel puts somebody in nizifa, scolds him, it's only seven days? We have stories. V'ad bishimon bar rabbi ubar kapara vuyatve bekagarse. Okay, two rabbis were learning. Rabbi Shimon, the son of Rabbi, and Bar Kapara. What happened? Kashlu Shimata. They got to a certain sugya, Tarakushya. Abadir Rabbi Shimon, the Bar Kapara. So Rabbi Shimon tells Bar Kapara, Tavar Zeh, Sarikh Rabbi. We need my father. We need Rabbi over here to come and explain it to us. Abadir Bar Kapara, Rabbi Shimon, Umar Rabbi Omer Bedavar Zeh. Which means there's no rabbi in the world that's going to have to explain this over here. That's why he said it. Azal amal ila abu. So the Mishnah went to tell his father what happened. Now, Hafez Shalomi, he didn't tell it to Mishnah Shonara. He was just saying, Dad, we're sitting in the shiur today, and we got to such a question, and we were learning with Bar Kabbara, Bar Kabbara, so there's no rabbi. And I said, we have to ask, the, we have to ask you the question. And he said, uh, such a strong question, nobody can answer it. He didn't mean to get Bar Kabbara into trouble. He was just trying to show what a question. strong learning it was. Ikpad. Rabbi was makpid. <laughs> they say his name, and then the, now you have to understand what does this mean? Rabbi was makpid. The Gemara Sota says that when Rabbi died, there was no more humble person than Rabbi. So you have to say, was it his kavod? His kavod Torah. He felt that this was a slight against the Torah. His kavod, he could be mohel. But the kavod Torah, you cannot let somebody miss a Torah. You cannot be mohel the kavod Torah. So therefore he was makpid. Not for his own honor, but for the honor of the Torah. Okay, so Bar came now to, you know, to learn in front of the bee. Amar le, so what does the bee tell him? Bar Kapara, any makircha me'olam. I don't know who you are. He understood that what the bee was telling him is, get out of here. Yada dinakat miltabidate. So Bar Kapara realized that the bee took the words that he said to heart. And therefore, nahag nisifutab nafsheh taltin yomin. He took a sturdy day nizifa. So you see what? That this is in Eretz Israel. So I thought you said that nizifa in Eretz Israel is seven days. Here it was thirty days. Another story. Shuv pa'amehad gazar Rabbi shelo yishnu le talmidim bashuk. Rabbi made a gezera 
that no student of his should teach Torah in public, in the public uh, marketplace. My darash, what was Rabbi's basis? So pasuk nechirashinim, hamukei rechayich kemo halaim maasei de oman. Now, my yarech hamukei rechayich. What's a yarech? Yarech is a thigh. Baseter, right? Normally the thigh is covered. It's a makom sanua. After the Torah baseter. Now, how do we do this to pasuk? Because the Pasuk says, Ma'asiyya de Oman. What is the Ma'asiyya de Oman? Who's the Oman? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's the, uh, the creator. And what's his Ma'asiyya? What's his Ma'asiyya Adav? The Torah. So it's like the Pasuk is saying like this. Just like the Yerich is done B'Tzina'a. Right? Hamukei Yerichayich. Just like the uh, thighs are B'Tzina'a. Kemo Halaim. Similarly, the halaim, who are the halaim? The tamidah al-khamim. Because the tamidah al-khamim, they get sick frequently. Because they exert themselves so much in Torah, so they get sick. So therefore, kemo halim, similarly, the halaim, the tamidah al-khamim, that are teaching ma'asayya de oman, that are teaching the handiwork of Israel for the Torah, also has to be like yirechayich. What? Bitsina'ah. So that was uh, Rabbi's dirasha. No teaching Torah in public. That's the way that she understands. What happened? Yatsar Bihiya. Bihiya went out. Vishana Lishne Bene Ahiv Bishuk. He went and taught his two nephews in the market. Lirav Ulraba Barbarhana. Okay. Later on we'll see in the upcoming Dapim exactly how Rav Hiya was related uh, to these two uh, these two rabbis. Shamah Rabbi Ikbad. Rabbi was Makpid. I, I said that nobody should teach Torah in public. And here he goes now and he's teaching the Torah in public. So Rabbi came to be seen in front of Rabbi. First of all, he didn't call him by his name, Hiya. He referred to him as Hiya. He was giving him a, a dig that he's not worthy to be called by his regular name. So he says, is somebody calling you outside? Which is a uh, remez, which he's telling him, get out of here. Somebody's calling you. Don't, don't, don't stay here. Oh, he realized that he offended Rabbi. Okay, 30 days. He accepted 30 days. I was like, and you have a question. This was in Eretz Israel. So on the 30th day, Shalachle. So the beast sends to for the Bihaya, okay, 30 days over. Come come back. He tells him, Ta, come. Hadar shalahle de lolite. Then he tells him, you know what? Don't come. So the Gabbara says, Meikara my sabar will be soft my sabar. What happened? What do you what do you think originally? What do you think at the end? Meikara sabar, mixatayom kikulo. Originally the beast felt, once it's the thirtieth day, we have a rule. That once part of the day comes, Miksat Tayyom is considered Kikulo. So once the 30th day came, he told him, alright, it's over. But then he says, no, when it comes to Nidui, you don't say Miksat Tayyom Kikulo. It's got to be the full 30 days. So he changed his mind in between. Lesof Atta. Rabhaya showed up. Obviously, Rabhaya did not hear the second message that told him, don't show up. So I'm on the Amayatit. He says, well, what are you doing here? Why did you come here? When you sent them as I should show up. She goes, But I also sent the message that you shouldn't come. I saw the first messenger, but I didn't see the second messenger. So the bee said on the Bihayah, When God is uh, favoring the way of a person, even his enemies will make peace, which means God loves you. God wants us to make peace. So therefore God made it that you should only have the first messenger, not the second, so you can bring me, bring yourself to me, and then I can make peace. Therefore it was that you came here. So now the Gemara says, So that Rabbi calls him on his practice. What do you teach Torah in public? He quotes a pasuk, but Rav Hayyad is also. 
Shlomoluk says that in public, Tarona, you should sing, sing the wisdom of the Torah in public. If you learned that Pasuk, you didn't learn it a second time. You didn't learn it. And if you learned it twice, you didn't learn it three times. Meaning you didn't learn it. And if you learned it three times, they didn't explain it to you the right way. That's not the Pshat in the Pasuk. Chokhmot ba'ud staruna. You know what it means? Chokhmot ba'ud staruna kederaba. The Amar Raba kol ha'osek b'Torah b'fniim. Anybody that studies Torah in private, Torah to machrezet alav b'ba'uds. Automatically, the Torah will announce about him in public. Which means you have the gedolei Torah, but they don't go around promoting themselves. They just sit in the arba amot and study Torah. How does the whole world know about them? How come there's a line out the door for the city Gedolet Torah? Well, they didn't take an air out of the newspaper that uh, come see the Gedolet Dor. The explanation is this is, the, this is the, the magic of the Torah. That when somebody studies Torah, the Shem Shemayim, automatically the Torah is going to announce to the world that this person is a Tamir Hakam. Ve'akitiv, oh, so the Gemara says, but doesn't it say in the Pasuk, lo merosh baseter dibarti. When God gave the Torah, He didn't give it baseter. Merosh. Al-Hatsin, I was given, Bepumbi, right? It was given Bepharesia. The Gemara says, no, no, no. Ha'hu biyumi dechala. She's right. There is a time you're supposed to teach Torah in public. Like Al-Sinai. When? On the days of Kala. In the olden days, in the months of Adar, which is before Nisan, and the months of Elul, before Tishri, they would have what was called Yerhe Kala. Where all Klai Yisrael, that's why they call it Kala, Lashon Kol, Kola. All the Jewish people would go, and the Hakami would teach them the laws of the holidays. Nisan, they would teach them the laws of Pesach, for Tishri, they would teach them the laws of uh, Rosh Hashanah, Kippur, Sukkot. So yeah, there is a time of year where you teach Torah public, that's only Yerhe Kala, those two, two months. Like Hasinai. But otherwise, Torah is taught in private. Oh, so that was the bee's claim against Rav So the Gibraltar says, Rav Hiyah, But what does he do with the Pasuk Shir Hashirim? Because the Pasuk Shir Hashirim says, That Torah has to be like the side. Just like the side is Bitsin'ah, so too Torah has to be taught Bitsin'ah. What does he do with that? Mukila bistaka o bigbilut hasadim. He said, no, that's talking about when you give tzedakah and you do chesed, do it b'tzera'ah. You shouldn't do your gibinut chesed in public. But when it comes to Torah, Torah can be done in public. So that's the uh, machloket. So comes the Gemara and says, Alma nizifa didu telatin yumin. Oh, that's the question. Bottom line, you see nizifa in Eretz Yisrael is 30 days. And we said that Nezifat in Israel is seven days. Kebron says, Nezifat Nasi Shani. This was the Nezifat of the Ben Wakadosh. The Ben Wakadosh was the Nasi of Klai Israel, the Abedin. And therefore, the Nezifat of the Nasi is different. Which is a regular Nezifat of a rabbi, seven days. But Nezifat of the Nasi, that's 30. That's the answer to Kebron. The Nezifat Didan Kamahavi. Oh. So if in Bavel the Nidui is seven days, how much is the Nizifa? Which is, again, the Nidui in Eretz Israel is 30. The Nidui in Bavel is seven. The Nizifa in Eretz Israel is seven. So they want to know how much is the Nizifa in Bavel? Kibra says one day. Had Yomah. Ki had Shmuel umur Ukba. A story. Two rabbis, Shmuel and Ukba. When they used to study together, Shmuel and Mor'ugba, Mor'ugba would sit in front of Shmuel, he would sit four amot away from him, because uh, Shmuel was greater than Mor'ugba. So out of respect, Mor'ugba was like the Talmud in this case. So he would sit like four amot away to hear the Torah of Shmuel. But when they would sit in Bet Din, was the opposite. Shmuel would sit four amot away from Mor Ogba because Mor Ogba was the Abedin. So out of respect, he would uh, sit uh, four amot away. They actually 
were chokek, they dug out uh, the place where Murugba was sitting, b'tsifta. They would cover the place where he sat, I guess, with the mat, that's where he sat. V'yatif alave, which is they lowered Murugba a little. Why? Ki'echi d'lishtama'an mileh. In order that he could hear the words of Shemuel, which is even though Murugba was the Abedin, Shemuel was a Tamir Hakam. Shemuel was really maybe wiser. So they would, when they would sit in the Beddin, they would lower Murugba's seat so he can hear what Shemuel has to say. Shemuel has a Hadush in the Beddin, Murugba wants to have access to Shemuel. So even though in this case of Murugba was the Abedin, they, they positioned him already where he can listen to the Hadushim of Shemuel. Now, call your ma every day. Every day, the custom was Murugba would escort Shmuel to his house, the way he was staying, to his lodging. Murugba would mechnia himself to Shmuel. one day He was preoccupied with the deen. Murugba is thinking about a certain uh, case that came to him. Now, Murugba is just walking. And Shmuel now is trailing him from behind. He forgot to escort Shmuel. So now Shmuel is walking behind Mur'ugbah. Kimata libete when Mur'ugbah got to his house. Amale lo nagalach. You didn't delay me enough. Which is because now I guess Shmuel felt he has to walk behind Mur'ugbah. That bedin. If he's not escorting Shmuel, so Shmuel is walking to in back of Mur'ugbah. So now he finally tells us, you didn't delay me enough. Which means, release me from this dispute over here, which is whatever you're, uh, you're thinking about. Just let me, let me go home. Which means he was trying to say, you're involved in your thought, you didn't escort me. Instead, I'm waiting for you, and you're, just, you're walking, and you're delaying me over here. So release me, let me, let me just go home already. I can't, I'm not, how long am I going to follow you? Murugba uh, realized that he was upset at him because he didn't escort him. <laughs> oh, so you see, he took a one day nizifa. So what do you see in Bavel? How long is the nizifa? One day. And it was a certain lady. She was sitting in the middle of the road. <laughs> she would extend her leg out, which was really blocking the road. What she was doing was she was like uh, she was winnowing the barley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in the middle of the street. She has a leg in the middle of the street there, and she's winnowing the barley. She's working in the middle of the street. Now rabbis uh, walking by, Tamir Hakam is walking by the street. She didn't move her foot. So now, dedicated, she's a rabbi wants to walk by, you move your foot. She's standing there blocking the road. So the student says, how hatsuf is this uh, lady over here? So now she came in front of Rav Nachman, she didn't know what that means. What does that mean to her now, that he called her hatsuf, hatsufa? Did you hear him put you in the doi? Did he say that you're in the doi? Amra le, la. No, he didn't tell me explicitly that I'm in Nidui. Amar la zili go, nehuge nizidufa, had yomah benafsheikh. All right, go take a one day nizifa. The rabbi obviously angry with you, this is called nizifa, wasn't in Nidui, and therefore. Um, take a day Right, take the day of nizifa. But you see over also that only the person can be uh, nozef. Somebody can't do it for somebody else. But when he came to the front of Rav Nachman, he was saying, what did he do to you? Why, why did he just say, hey, you hachmat to the rabbi, you didn't let the rabbi walk by the street, you're in the zoof. No, no. It could only be the one that was disrespected. Zutra bar tuvia. Okay, Zutra bar tuvia, it's a rabbi. Hava kapasik sidra kamed rav Yehuda. He was quoting pesukim, learning pasuk in front of rav Yehuda. Ki matal hai pesukah. So they got to the following pasuk. Ve'ele devre david aharonim. These are the words of prophecy of David, the later words. It seems David had earlier prophecies and later prophecies. So this person talks about the later prophecies. So Amaleh, so Zutra Bartuvia tells Rabbi Yehuda, Aharonim, Mikladi Karishonim. 
If there's later prophecies, it must be there's earlier prophecies. Rishonim, Maininu. Rabbi, what are the first prophecies? Shatik velo amar le velamidi. Rabbi, that was quiet. He didn't say anything. Hadar amar le. So, Zutra, but we asked again. Aharonim, Mikhlad hika Rishonim. Rishonim, Maihi. So now, Rabbi Uda got upset. What is he asking the question twice? When he heard it the first time over here. So the student held that maybe he didn't hear the question. So he repeated it. But Rabbi Uda thought that he's needling him. Uh, you don't know the answer? <laughs> I mean, he's trying to ask him again to show that you don't know, uh, you don't know the answer to this question. Amadeh, my da'atach. What are you asking? What, what, what's your opinion? What do you mean? You think that a person who doesn't know the answer to this question is not considered a tamir hakam? Because any tamir hakam that cannot answer a pasuk an interpretation, he's not a tamir hakam. So what are you, you saying I'm not a tamir hakam? That's why you're asking the question twice. He's trying to show me up and say, well, what do you know? Yeah, I, you don't know the answer. So he was upset. So uh, the student Zutra Bartuvia realized that the Yehuda was upset at him. Okay, so he took a one-day uh, took a one-day uh, punishment, like we said in Bavel, it's one day. Now the Gemara goes on. And now that we got to the subject of David Amelech with his later prophecies and earlier prophecies, let's analyze the subject. Later prophecies imply that there was earlier ones. Okay, what are the earlier prophecies? David spoke to Hashem. The following song On the day that God saved him From all his enemies So this was a prophecy of a song That David HaMelech sang When God saved him From Shaul HaMelech So God was angry at David for this David Shaul well, you're singing a song on the downfall of Shaul. If you, let's say, David, had the mazal of Shaul HaMelech, the who David, and he had your mazal, if it would be reversed, I would get rid of many Davids in front of Shaul. Which is really, Shaul is better than you. But what? It's your time to become the king. So I have no choice to bring down Shaul. But what do you think? You're better than Shaul? Dikhtiv. Oh, I know Dikhtiv. So once David Amalek was rebuked by God, you don't sing for the downfall of Shaul. He's better than you. Ella, why your time was not to become the king of Israel. So therefore you have to go down. So David Amalek made Teshuvah. What does it say? Shigayon le David. Shigayon Shigiah. The mistake of David. Isn't Taylim? What was the mistake? Asher Shar la Hashem. That he's saying to Hashem. Regarding Kush Benyamini. Who's Kush Benyamini? Shaul Benyamini is from Benyamin. Now why would they call Shaul Kush? Kush literally means a black one. So the Gemara says, Vichy Kush Shemo? Vahalo Shaul Shemo. Elama Kushi Mishune Be'uro. Just like a Kushi, his skin is different than everybody else. Av Shaul Mishune Be'ma'asav. So to Shaul, his ma'asim were different than everybody else. So therefore, that's a praise. That he's Mishune Be'ma'asav. He has different deeds. So therefore, David HaMelech, that was the Rishonim. The first prophecy song that he sang was what? Against Shaul. David HaMelech, God says, you don't do that. And therefore, Shigayon David, When Moshe Rabbeinu got married, who did he marry? Zipporah. So the Torah doesn't call that Sipporah at first. It says, Al odota isha kushit asher And he took the kushit lady. Vichi kushit sheva. Ve'alo tzipporah sheva. Elama kushit mishuneh be'orah. Just like the kushit, his skin is different. Av tzipporah mishuneh be'maseh. So to tzipporah had unusual good deeds. Kayosev adavar. Similarly ata omer. Ba'yishma eved melech hakushi. And that was actually a reference to Sitkiyah Melech. Sitkiyah Melech was a tzaddik. So it calls him Melech HaKushi. The black one. Vichy Kushi Shemo, but not Sitkiyah Shemo. Elamad Kushi Mishune Be'orot. He has unusual skin. Av Sitkiyah Mishune Be'orot. He has unusual deeds. Ka Yosef Adavad. 
אתה אומר, הלא כבני קושיים אתם לי. The prophet calls the Jewish people בני קושיים. So the Gemara says, אתם לי בית ישראל, וכי קושיים שבן, ועלו ישראל שבן. אלא מה קושי משונה בעורו, אף ישראל משונים במעשה מכל האומות. Now once the Gemara already started talking about David Amalek, the Gemara continues. אמר רב שמואל, בן נחמני אמר רב יונתן, מה דכתיב? נאום דוד בן ישי, this is the words of David בן ישי, ונאום הגבר, the words of the man, הוקם על, literally הוקם על, that rose on top, rose above. נאום דוד בן ישי, שהקים עולה של תשובה. David showed us the benefit, or the to'elet, halovim means to'elet, the benefit of teshuvah. Which means, when David HaMelech committed the sin with Bathsheba, the Gebarat is really saying that really he wasn't ready to make such a sin. Why did God uh, put David in the position? In order to teach others that teshuvah works. That even if a person commits such a sin, you can be forgiven and God can accept you back. And that's what it means. Ula shil teshuvah. The toilet of teshuvah. And someone will say, all shil teshuvah is the yoke of teshuvah. Why is teshuvah a yoke? Because a person might say to himself, ah, God's not going to forgive me. But once already you see the story of David, now already there's a yoke on you. That nobody has an excuse to say, ah, teshuvah's not going to work. No! If teshuvah worked for David and Melech, with the story of Bathsheba can work for anybody. And therefore, no matter what the sin is, and therefore it's a yoke of teshuvah that's on a person. That means, hukam al. He established the yoke of teshuvah after the story of him and Bathsheba. Like the Gemara Abu Dazarat Abdalin says, Lord David Raul Maase. David was not worthy for that sin to come to him. If an individual is going to sin, Omrim lo, Klach etzel David. Go look at David. Which means there is Teshuvah for everybody. David was forgiven and therefore David who come al. Amar, so what did David Amalek say? Amar Elohei Yisrael, the God of Israel said, Li diber, Sur Yisrael, to me spoke the rock of Israel, Moshel Be'adam, the one that rules over men, that's God, Tzaddik Moshel Yirat Elohim, the Tzaddik who rules over Yirat Elohim, the fear of God. What does this pasuk mean? My Amar, Amar of Abu Haki Kamar. Amar Eloi Yisraeli diversu Yisrael. What did God say to David? Ani Moshel Ba'adam. I rule over human beings. But what does God say? Mi Moshel Bi. But God says, who controls me? I control man. But who controls God? Sadiq. That Sadiq controls God. Why? Shani Gozer Gezera Umbatela. That a God makes a decree. Who's able to control the decrees of Baruch Hu that they don't come true? That they, they become nullified? The Tzaddik. So Tzaddik Moshe. It's the Tzaddik that Moshe wa bi'irat Elohim. Which means with his fear of God, he's able to control God himself. He's able to nullify the decrees. Now, the Gebarak continues quoting some of the Pesukim by David HaMelech. And the Pesuk says, Ele shemot geborim asheli David. These are the names of the strong ones that were with David. And it lists all their names. So the Gebra says, My Kamar. The Gebra's question is like this. If you look at the Pasuk, it says, These are the names of the Giborim Mashid David. Yoshevet Beshevet Tahkemoni. They sat in the place of Tahkemoni. It's a place. Roshesh Chavish, Hu Adinoa Aitzni, Al Shumonem Ot Halab Pamahat. His name was Adinoa Aitzni that killed 800 people in one shot. So the Gebra wants to know, what, we, what is this Pasuk talking about over here? Because it says these are the names, but it doesn't give us any names. It gives us uh, words. It gives us uh, 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 interpretations. It doesn't give us names of the people that, that were David Amalek's strength. So it says, Amar, Rabbi Abu, Haki Kamar, Shemot Giburotav Shil David. All these words that follow in the Pasuk are not talking about David's strong men. It's talking about all the strength that David Amalek had. These are the strengths, mean the good qualities that David Amalek had. What's the first one? Yoshev Beshevet. He sat low. Which means, even though he's the king of Israel, he can sit, when he's giving a shiur, he can sit on top. He can sit high. 
No, where David Amelech sit? Beshevet. He sat low. The Gemara says, Beshaash, Ayah Yosheb Yeshiva. When David Amelech was sitting in the Yeshiva, Lo Ayah Yosheb Gabe Karim Uksatot. He did not sit on pillows or comforters. Ela Agabe Karka. He sat on the ground. As long as his rabbi, Ira Ya'ari, was alive, He didn't give the shi'ud. He let his rabbi, Ira Ya'ari, give the shi'ud. And Ira Ya'ari sat up high. When Ira died, So the uh, David Amir would teach the street cover. He's teaching the uh, students. He still sat on the ground. In humility, David Amelech remained on the Karka. So what do you see over here? Yoshev Veshevet. That shows us the humility of David. Next word in the Pasuk, Tachkemoni. What does Tachkemoni mean? Amarab, Amalukadosh Baruchu. Ho'il Veshpalta Atzmecha. Because you lowered yourself, you sat on the Karka in humility to teach Torah. Tehekamoni. Tehekamoni. Tehet and they're interchangeable. Tehekamoni. God says, you're like me. In what way? She'ani gozer gezerab atabe batela. So you see, a person's humility, he's able to reach him at the guy who's like a Gadoz Baruch Hu. That a Gadoz Baruch Hu makes a gezerab. And the Tzadikim are able to nullify it. Then it says, Rosh Hashalishim. He's the head of the three. Teherosh leshloshet avot. You are going to be the head of the Three avot. Shosha has been the shosha avot. David Melech is going to be la'atid lavo, like it says va'avdi David Melech alehim. David Melech is going to be on top of them. So it's the three avot and David Melech on top. Who adino ha'etzni? They refer to David as adino ha'etzni. What does that mean? Kishaya Yosef Osik b'Torah ayam me'adin atzmo ketolat. When he would learn Torah, he would. Uh, bend himself like a worm. Hakamim say when he would learn Torah to be a medic, he would bend himself over where his hands were, let's say, by his legs, as if his hands were tied to his legs. He would study so hard, so he was curling himself up and humbling himself in front of the Torah, studying so with such uh, with such humility. So that's called adino. Adino meaning he would bend himself. However, However, when he would go out to war, it's thee. He was like an edge. He stood firm like a tree. So what is, what is it trying to show you? That don't think that David Amelech was weak. You say, ah, yeah, he was a weakling, David Amelech. We learned Torah. He learned like this. He was curled all over. No. Really, when David Amelech wanted to show his strength, he was able to show his strength. When he went out to war, he was He stood like a firm tree, like a solid piece of wood. But when he studied Torah, he studied with such uh, humility and such ayun that he lowered himself to the uh, to the Torah, all his uh, all his strength he put in the learning. So comes the Gemara and says, last point, which means David Amelech killed eight hundred people in one shot. Shayazurik hits, he would shoot one arrow, that one arrow he shot would kill eight hundred people in one shot. But David Amelech was upset. How come he killed two hundred more? Why? In the Kedalot, the Pasuk says that our enemies, one is going to chase a thousand. We can apply from the curses, the opposite. When the Berachot are going to come, we're going to be able to chase one a thousand. The Vinayana says, uh, the Berachot didn't come true with me. How come only one is only able to chase eight hundred? So the Yatzta Batko Ve'amrad Batko came out and said Rak Bedavar Uriyah Hachiti Which means Even though David was a Sadiq Gamur But since he had the episode with Uriyah Hachiti and Batsheva So therefore the Berachah did not come 100% He lost 200 because of that And then he was only able to kill uh, 800 Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Ve'amen